Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Did Kyle Bailey just tell us how to get like him, Wes? He definitely did. He flexed on that thing. He really did, man. Mm-hmm. He's saying, look, I don't need this. But if y'all want to keep up with me, then y'all go take care of your own business and make sure you right. get like Kyle Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> We've been wanting to hear that read for a long time. We had not heard it until then. Shouts to Kyle Bailey, man. Get the job done. No to this day. I love that. <laughs> All right. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Panthers, not so much getting the job done. Uh, we're trying to figure out how they can change things in the second half of the season, maybe make it a more enjoyable product, how much they can actually salvage some trust in us believing they're going to fix this, maybe even next season. We went over a few scenarios. Joe Person has a great article you can go read on theathletic.com. You can go follow him on Twitter, too, at Joseph Person. He gave you some realistic scenarios that could be coming for the Panthers and some of the scenarios we just talked about, the likelihood of each happening. In the first hour, we discussed Frank Reich getting fired, Reich giving up play calling, and a possible QB change. All are on the table we thought Wright getting fired probably had the least likely chance of happening. Giving up play calling very well could. I don't know if that was the specific problem against Detroit, but certainly the screen pass to Ian Thomas. We're tired of seeing that. We're tired of seeing screens in general to a tight end, wide receiver, anybody on the other side of it. And a QB change, you and I both believe, isn't the best thing for this team's future. So if we go to a couple of other scenarios here, the next one on the list, Wes, What's the likelihood that Brian Burns actually does get traded now? What a weird scenario here. We go back to last year. We were talking about the possibility of the Panthers trading their best pass rusher, their best defensive player, certainly at the time. Were they going to trade him for two first-round picks and a third? That is confirmed, by the way. That's not any rumor. That's a real thing that the Rams offered to the Panthers. Two first-round picks and a third. I don't, you can't expect them to get that package again, but you could certainly get a first. In fact, I'm not trading Brian Burns unless it's for a first round pick. But now with the lack of draft capital that you have because of what you gave up to go get Bryce Young, Wes, I ask you, does it make more sense as we continue to go on? Maybe to recoup some of those draft assets. If you're not going to pay Brian Burns to go ahead and trade him at the deadline or maybe this offseason if it comes to that point. Oh, no question. If you're not going to pay him, then you need to try to see what you can get from him. And so that's the part that you put yourself in where last year you feel like the Panthers really wanted to keep him, that they were going to keep him, but teams were trying everything to try to do that. And I think a two first-round pick type of trade would uh, show you that teams felt like the Panthers really wanted to hold on to him. So you worry that... If they do try to trade him at this juncture, desperation move, maybe you could call it, and maybe teams may try to lowball them with their offers. But I still think with the way that he's playing right now, uh, well, with the sack numbers and the potential and things of that nature, that I think you do get some teams that will give you some offers, but maybe not to the level of what they once were. Yeah, and Brian Burns did talk about 
how he was upset when Nick Thurman jumped off sides. That allowed the Lions to convert a fourth down attempt that they had. Brian Burns had talked about how he was frustrated. He said, quote, my passion came out after I did that. I went to my defense, apologize, let them know that I'm still with them. I'm still here. And we just don't know for how much longer. Frank Reich talked a little bit about Brian Burns as well, saying how much he's a winner. He checks all the boxes that you want in a player. If you want to take care of him in that sense and allow him to go to a team that is winning football games, Wes, then maybe you do try to get a first-round pick and a third, right? It's tough when everyone knows that you could have had something better for Brian Burns and then you end up trading him for (laughs) and missing out on a first-round pick. That's a big deal. It's a real big deal with the Rams. Not they're not going to have a fantastic record this year. They're not going to be bottom five team, but they're not going to have a great record. Yeah, it's going to be a decent first round pick, and you're going to sacrifice one by maybe not even signing them. It, it's going to be tough. So I do think that there's a higher chance of that happening as the season goes on. We talked about it. Yeah, it could be because now you're looking for a number one receiver for your guy. Well, how are you going to do that? And so a lot of people are just as high on this draft class of wide receivers as they are on the quarterbacks. A lot of people talk about how there's plenty of wide receivers to go around, which could incline you to stay pat because you're probably going to be able to get a quality one at the top of the second round if that's where you end up being or near the top of the second round. So maybe you can hang around and wait on that. But if it's a prospect that you feel like you have to have at this point and you really want to go get him, then it may incline you to do something so that you can get that first round pick. The question is what might you have to give up in the process? But again, as I said, you're you're staring at paying Brian Burns. You're staring at paying Derek Brown. Also, Frankie Louvu could end up being uh, in that mix. He's been playing good as of late, not quite as loud as he was at the very beginning of the season, but still playing good ball. But you have to figure out who you want to pay, who you don't want to pay. But if you go through a season, man, where you only win two to three games, I mean, I feel like everybody's game, except for the franchise quarterback at that point, you just got to figure out how you want to retool this roster starting brick by brick from the ground up. Brian Burns is a guy that can help speed up that process as far as giving you uh, assets that you want, but you create a hole by trying to close another one, which you get that pick and you end up trying to get a wide receiver, but then you got to go find another young pass rusher. So that's the tough spot that they're in in that scenario. Yeah, it's all about what you think you can get by with. I think that's a good analogy, right? You got a bunch of holes in the boat, and you leave one hole, try to go cover that thing up, but now you got water leaking in from the other side. Does that happen when you trade Brian Burns to try to help out your number one overall pick at QB? That's the answer that they're going to try to have to figure out. I, I think this next scenario has the best chance of happening. It's Scott Fitterer being fired. This was always going to be the next domino to fall if the dominoes were going to be tipped over mm-hmm. because we all bought into this offseason. We all bought into not only the coaching staff, that's more so Frank Reich and David Tepper because he's the one dishing out the checks. So what it's David Tepper's money that allows you to go get an Avero. He was coveted. So yes, Frank Reich, great. Everybody's welcome to him coming aboard, but it's David Tepper giving him the money. With the players, that's Scott Fitterer's responsibility now. And the off the offensive line doesn't look great. The wide receivers don't look good. Even Bryce Young, even if we still believe in him, Wes, there are more questions about his ability now 
I think, than there are with Richardson and C.J. Stroud, who are off to better starts when they're on the football field. Yeah. I think that's okay to say as far as watching them. So if something needs to change, because we're probably going to be calling for it in the media, fans are going to be calling for it, Fitter is going to be the guy. Frank Reich is in his first season. Fitterer now, we're starting to get a sample size of what he's done with an offseason all to his own. No more Matt Rule. Can't hide behind that camouflage anymore. This is going to be the guy that is is the the one that shares most of the blame to the point where David Tepper would move on. Yeah, no question about it because he's going to feel like he can find a better evaluator of talent, a guy that can build more depth because we see teams around the league uh, that come in and are able to find guys that even when somebody goes down, there's somebody else that's going to step up for said team. And so I think that's the thing that's the biggest uh, mark against Fitterer right now is that the Panthers, as we talked about, were very top-heavy with the roster. And then once one guy goes down, it's like the whole house falls. And so I think that's the biggest problem right now. And so, yeah, I think that they're going to try to go out and find somebody who's got a proven track record of building a winner, and Fitter is going to take the fall. The problem is the precedent that you've set, It's you're not cleaning house to the point where you bring in a new GM and a new head coach on the same timeline. And so when you decided not to do that, when you fired Ron Rivera and you kept Marty Herney, if you're just going to continue on that pattern, then you don't ever get a complete reset, which... Fans might want. So now when you fire Scott Fitterer, you and I both agree, Wes. It's not that we're going to criticize them for making another wrong decision. You and I agree that probably shouldn't fire Frank Reich after one season unless it gets so completely bad. That's on the table, but we do think that he's probably going to get another year. So if you fire Scott Fitterer, but then you keep Frank Reich around, then what happens if you underperform next season in two years? Are you going to fire the head coach and keep the GM at that point? Yeah. You just want some stability. At some point, you want stability. And it doesn't look like you can set yourself up for that if you fire Scott Fitterer. Maybe you even give him one more year. The fans don't want that. And I get it. I'm not saying that they should. But just for stability's sake, or sake, I, yeah, man, that's that's something that you might want to do. And then if it goes bad again, all right, no Everybody's more right, gone. no Fitterer. Yeah, yeah maybe that's I like that plan a lot better as well. Um, let's go to the last one. I. It could happen with this next scenario. I just don't know how much it really affects things. What happens if an assistant gets fired? Because we see this. An offensive coordinator is gone. Defensive coordinator is gone. Whatever. Problem is, the play caller is the head coach. So, it would more likely be the fact that Reich hands over play calling duties. So, it's not like you can blame Thomas Brown. (laughs) You can't blame Averro because Averro, I think he's done a good job. I know it wasn't good against Detroit. I get that. You've had some injuries that you've had to battle. But overall, I still think Averro is a good coordinator. I think we've seen that from him. So, there's not really anybody that you can blame. It does go into one question you want to ask. CJ Charlotte writes in the same thing, Wes. What is Jim Caldwell's role on this coaching staff? Dom Capers, some of these veterans on the staff. What do you make with that connection? Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm wondering when I think about that is, you know, we lauded this staff when they were hired and we talked about all the great minds. And so the thing you want to know is how much input are they having on what's going on? Because to me, the cooks in the kitchen offensively, you've already got Thomas Brown and Frank Wright collaborating on things. Is Jim Caldwell just there for them to bounce ideas off of? Like how much input does he have? Because you basically have two offensive coordinators with one having the final say. So what exactly 
is he doing? Is he helping Josh McCown with Bryce Young? Like, we haven't heard much. We haven't seen them uh, much, even though I thought I saw Jim Caldwell pass me in traffic the other day. But other than that, you don't see them much. (laughs) And so the question is, what are they doing? With Dom Capers as well, um, you don't really see these guys. So you don't know the impact that they're having uh, on this football team. And when you talk about firing assistants, well, you bring up a great point that the play caller is the head coach. They're not going to fire any assistants. Firing a position coach does virtually nothing. Then Thomas Brown, he's the guy in waiting, so you're certainly not going to fire him. And Evero, with all of the hoops you jump through to get him, you're not going to fire him unless this defense down the stretch just completely falters and they're getting 30 to 40 put on them on the regular. That's the only way I could see that happening. But I don't see any top assistants on the staff that are going to be fired because of the context behind each of their stories. Well, and and exactly. So what do you do? You, you held on to Chris Tabor, who everybody loved as a special teams coach. And if you've been dealing with Panther special teams, especially under Chase Blackburn, you don't want that guy to go away. So that was a holdover. James Campen is a holdover. And I still think James Campen is a good offensive line coach. We saw what happened. It was the best offensive line we've seen in a long time last year. It, it's it's been a while since you felt good about it. So what, what are you going to fire James Campen and Chris Tabor? It doesn't feel like the smart move at all there. Yeah. And those are the only holdovers. The other guys are new and established. These, these other guys that you have a part of the staff, it's not like they're new being promoted and we'll see what they can do. And it went horribly wrong. Talk about Jim Caldwell. The guy took the lions before this stable structure. Now, he took the Lions a couple times to the playoffs. We had Glover Quinn on last week. Lauded Jim Caldwell for just being a leader. You want to get rid of that guy? Is he the problem with this team? You could have too many cooks in the kitchen, but that's on y'all then for not being able to figure out how to work together. I just, I don't feel like that ego exists as much. Yeah. I don't think so. It's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they're able to figure it out. All right. That'll do it for more scenario talk on the Carolina Panthers. I got to go the last couple of segments, but don't worry. Wes Bryant, Shroppy on the ones and twos. Look at Fitty looking out the door. And he's just dying. He's going to get his airtime. Yeah, Josh Fitty Marlowe hopping in the studio. Appreciate y'all <laughs> hopping on with us. More Wes and Walker coming up next, except it's Wes and Fitty and Shroppy. Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, folks. We are coming down the home stretch. Now I got Josh Fitty Marlowe in here to wave me home as we... Start to close things down. Still got another segment after this one of the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You already know, a football Monday. Carolina fans not feeling uh, too great about what's going down, and I think that that is an understatement. But uh, other than that, recapping the football weekend, 
as I said, Josh Fittimala now joins us. So you can say uh, what's up to the people. I saw you hanging outside, man. You were just waiting for Walker to get out of here so you could crack open this mic. Yeah, you know how it is. You got you got to fight with the airtime with uh, with the tall guy on the show. Um, so uh, <laughs> it does feel good because I have missed you. I was what not here Friday, not here Thursday, and of course not here today. Trump's done an adequate job, but I'm ready to wow. get the band back together <laughs> wow. starting tomorrow wow. at twelve o'clock. All right, well, let's get it back going then before you two guys uh, throttle each other. So uh, let's go back to the college football weekend, man. And for you Notre Dame fans out there, just got to give you a little bit of smoke on this microphone as Louisville defeated Notre Dame. Notre Dame season is pretty much done when you talk about college football contention. Uh, they've lost two out of their last three games. Both of them have come against top 25 opponents. And when you look at Sam Hartman, 254 yards, two touchdown passes, but had three interceptions. Notre Dame converted three of its 13 third down attempts. They were 0 for 3 when needing three yards or less. Louisville's defense certainly came to play, no question about that. They sacked them five times, held Notre Dame to 44 yards rushing. And in all, Notre Dame turned the ball over five times. First time in school history that Louisville beat an AP top 10 opponent and back-to-back season. So Jeff Brom has got them rolling. Jawad Jordan had 143 yards and two touchdowns. He's coached by my old running back, Chris Barclay, who is the running backs coach there at Louisville. Jack Plummer, efficient game. He had 17 to 24, 145 yards and a touchdown. But that's not why we're here, Okay. First of all, Notre Dame fans out there, any of you that are listening, I know right now you feel horrible about the investment that you made in Sam Hartman because it was rumored he got over a meal to come to South Bend. You thought he was the missing piece. You thought that you had better receivers. You thought that the Golden Dome made you a better fit for him than Wake Forest was. But little did you know that Sam had better receivers at Wake Forest. There's guys on NFL rosters that were catching passes from him coming out of Wake Forest. Wake Forest has had some of the best offenses in school history under Clawson and um, Ruggiero at the offensive coordinator post. And his offensive line was solid. It might not have had some of the uh, big dogs that they had at Notre Dame, but you guys were real arrogant after those first couple of games thinking, that oh, now he's with a real team. I saw it online. I saw you, and I was just waiting. I was just waiting for things to implode. And as I said on Saturday night, Sam gon' Sam, okay? And when you talk about the pressure being applied to this young man playing for a huge program with college football playoff expectations, after you saw him in the Dukes Mayo Bowl throw five picks, after you saw him at Wake Forest game after game, talk about the Carolina matchups, critical mistakes late in those games, we knew his M.O., but you didn't. Now you've learned the hard way. Fitty, what did you make of that game on Saturday night and Sam's performance? And Louisville, could we see them in Charlotte? I mean, look, look, college game day, the, the ESPN world was very guilty of this because he looked really good in week zero. He yeah. looked really good the first three weeks of the year. But that's who he's been his entire career. And look, I wasn't saying I was rooting for Notre Dame, but like, you know, when he he had the drive against Duke, you thought the narrative was going to change. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to Louisville, a place that last year was a house of horrors. He had six turnovers in that game a year ago. Yes. And it felt like for a little bit, it wasn't going to be a problem. But then it felt like when he threw that interception, you could just feel the air come out of that offense. And it's just, it's unfortunate. It is who he is. You're not wrong. The skill position talent at Notre Dame 
And look, I know Brian Kelly got some good good guys to go to South Bend throughout his time there. But that's why he went to LSU, because he can't get the athletes to Notre Dame that you can get to the SEC. Yes. They don't have the athletes. Like, when you're having to convert a running back to, to be your, your slot-wide receiver, and there's nothing wrong with your tight end being a, a, a big part of your offense, but when it's your focal point, that means you ain't winning on the outside. And that was a big problem for them the other night. But hats off to Louisville. I I, I wasn't surprised they won the game. I was surprised with how they won. Because they beat Notre Dame up in the trenches. Which Duke doing it wasn't as big a surprise to us because we knew up front how good Duke was. I didn't think Louisville was that good up front. And I tweeted this out, man. Like the, They don't got as much talent, I think, as Carolina. I don't think they're as, as deep as Carolina. But their schedule is more favorable than Carolina's for the Cardinals to find themselves competing here in Charlotte for an ACC championship. Because you get Duke at home. And at Miami, those are your toughest games remaining in the ACC schedule. And Riley Leonard might not be back for Duke. And Miami just lost at home to Georgia Tech. So the Cardinals could be in store for a magical season. Yeah, they could be. And when you looked at the MO of this Louisville team last year, they definitely got after the quarterback, Yaya Diaby, and those guys. They were one of the top sacking teams in all of college football. They were very disruptive last year. And so now you look at this team this year, they are stout up front. They're very, very physical. They're explosive on offense. And the thing about this offense, too, that you look at is that they can give it to you whatever way you want. They can win ugly games like they did against NC State, like they did against Notre Dame, even though they got a little bit more explosive plays than they got uh, against Notre Dame. I mean, they got more explosive plays than they got when they played NC State. Uh, but this Louisville team, man, they look like a serious threat to get to Charlotte. Uh, this is a very disruptive bunch. I mean, you look at it, Ashton uh, Jelody. I hope I didn't butcher his name too bad. Six and a half sacks. They have multiple guys that have two sacks. And so this is a very disruptive team, very explosive offense. So they're certainly going to be a team to watch. Now, we talked about NC State last week, made the big change at quarterback. MJ Moore steps in. Didn't quite know what to expect. I thought this offense was going to be more of the same. Man, this football game had 820 total yards, six turnovers, 89 total points, and NC State won at 48 to 41 versus Marshall. That game was on the CW Network. MJ Morris, the game started rough, one of seven, 17 yards, two interceptions, including one that went back for a score. You thought State was about to be in trouble and didn't know which way to go after that. But then he responded, uh, 265 yards, four touchdown passes he had. Trent Penix was huge in that game. Delbert Mims came through and gave them an adequate running game. KC Concepcion out of Chambers High School, a.k.a. what used to be Vance High School, my old high school, eight catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. So he came through in a big way. Is MJ Morris the missing link in Raleigh, and can we expect more 40-point outputs from the pack? I, I, if you would have told me back in August, Wes, that Robert and I would be more comfortable calling plays for MJ Morris than Brennan Armstrong, I would have told you you're lying. Because we all <laughs> thought that was the marriage and that that was if, – if, if NC State was going to put it all together – and win 10 games in the regular season and maybe get to Charlotte. It was going to be because you got that quarterback here. And it just wasn't to be. And then MJ Morris, not great. I knew he threw three interceptions as well on Saturday, two in his first seven pass attempts. But the offense just looked different. They responded better to MJ Morris. And I think that's something that, you know, you, you, we don't put a lot, of, a, a lot of stock in in college. We do in the NFL. 
In college now, players respond to, 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 to different guys like you see in the NFL. They didn't respond to Brendan Armstrong. For whatever reason, they didn't play for him the way that they played for MJ Morris. And that's, that's pretty telling of Brendan Armstrong. But also tells you that those guys believe what MJ Morris can be. I think we all agreed in this room last week that even if MJ Morris would have been the starter, State would have still probably been three and two, but it would have looked different. And after Saturday, how do you argue that? Because they scored 48 points. Yeah. Like, yeah. so, you know, I, I think the defense, you know, is going to give them a chance to, to win every time they're on the field. So I don't think State's a contender to get to Charlotte, but I think this is still a program that, like they do every year under Boren Doring, they can win eight, nine games in the regular season. <laughs> yeah, and when you look at it, too, this is what State fans wanted to see. Six passing plays of 15-plus yards accumulated 218 yards through the air. Then they had five runs of over 10-plus yards with 92 total yards gained from those. The defense, though, they definitely took a step back. They got outgained in this game, uh, 419 to 401, so a, a small margin. But other than that, though, they give up 315 passing yards, 104 rushing yards. So not the greatest day for NC State's defense. They also got out first down with Marshall having 22 to their 16. Both teams were not good at all uh, on third downs. But it just came down to who was going to turn the football over, who was going to get the stops, because this game was certainly a track meet. But when you look at MJ Morris and what he provided, again, you want to see those turnovers cleaned up. But he's giving them uh, offense that they were not getting before. And then it also opened up the run game because as a team, they ran for uh, 136 yards. Both backs, Michael Allen and Delbert Mims, the third, each scored a touchdown and combined for 135 uh, yards together. And so that's what you want to see from State. Uh, Kevin Concepcion looks like a star in the making. So NC State may be on to something. And we're going to find out really quick because they've got Duke this weekend. We know what Duke's defense brings to the table. So State certainly has uh, a great matchup to see if MJ Morris and this offense has truly improved. And Marshall, to give them their credit too, they came in as one of the nation's uh, last undefeated teams. Their defense was uh, pretty good. So they came in, and, and this game just turned into a track meet, and it definitely had some adversity early uh, for NC State, being down 14-7 to in that first quarter. And then uh, Marshall was still able to capitalize and hang into the game, and this game was nip and tuck all the way through. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I would love to say that Riley Leonard would be, would, would be able to be on the field for this game against State this upcoming weekend, just with the injury. It's, it's probably not going to happen. Because we know that Duke's defense is legit, and so this will be a really, a really good test for MJ Morris to say, "Man, y'all really did screw up not letting me be the starter right away." And as you know, for a Duke team that you know is coming off a loss, but it was a loss that wasn't in conference play, so all of their their hopes and dreams are really in front of them. As heartbreaking as that loss to Notre Dame was, at home, you know, you let. Sam Hartman convert a fourth and 16. It was a, it was a non-conference loss. Yeah. And so if Duke can find a way to stay afloat without Riley Leonard until he comes back and they go to Chapel Hill in November, they could still be in play to get it to Charlotte as well. And so it's going to be fun. I like seeing that game have meaning on the football field because, you know, state gets up to play them in basketball every year. Yeah. It's going to be fun seeing that game have some meaning in football as well. Yep, and so then we move on. And Fiddy, I felt <laughs> a lot like you on Saturday, man. And as much as, you know, I, I love Dabo and those guys, personal relationship with him, his brother, Tracy. For the 15th consecutive time <laughs> in the Dabo Sweeney era, my Deeks took an L. And they were in the game. They were right there, 13-6 uh, to six 
late in that football game, and they just they just couldn't get it done. And the thing is, man, I almost shed a tear for Mitch Griffiths. Mitch uh, definitely played his heart out. Mitch took a beating, to say the least. He was getting hit left and right. He got hurt on basically the first series of the game, uh, took a high hit from Barrett Carter, caught him right there in that armpit area when he let the ball go. And he kept gutting it out, man, and he kept playing. But Wake, conservative game plan. I knew they were going to have a hard time blocking Clemson up front. Clemson had four sacks, eight tackles for loss. Wake only managed 239 yards of offense, but were right there in this football game. They held Clemson to 338 total yards. Cade Klubnick only threw for 131 yards. Uh, Will Shipley had a solid game, 97 yards and a touchdown, average five yards a carry. But you couldn't ask for much more than what you got from Wake Forest defense to have you in that game, 10-6, excuse me, uh, advantage from Clemson. All the Demon Deeks had to do was go down and get a touchdown. They couldn't do so. Will Shipley runs it in from one yard, puts him up 17-6. DeMond Claiborne gets a run uh, right after that. And that had to be the most frustrating thing. It's like after you needed to score in the most desperate time, after they go up 17-6, then you go down and get a touchdown. And so Clawson said after the game, our defense allowed us to play conservatively. And I'm here basically paraphrasing saying that he stands on that decision because it kept them in the game. And I just say, can we do something against Clemson besides what they always do? We talked about the, the games yesterday in the NFL. We saw some of the wrinkles. San Francisco, a team that doesn't necessarily have to put in wrinkles, reverse passes, things of that nature. It's always wash, rinse, repeat with the Wake offense. What did you think uh, about this game against Clemson? Was Wake a little bit too conservative uh, versus the Tigers? You know, look, I'm not a lifelong Wake Forest fan, but if <laughs> I was, I mean, the last couple years have to really sting because this has been as vulnerable as Clemson's been probably since pre-Taj Boyd, where, like, you, you had a legitimate chance with the quarterback play you've had in, in, in past years. You, with, with the way that you DJU not being great this year, Cade Klubnick hasn't really taken that step your defense gives up 17 points. You would think with Dave Clawson, that offense, even on the road in Death Valley, you could get 21, maybe 24 21. points. And, and to see them, you know, play conservative, that's got to be probably the most mind-blowing thing because that's not Wake Forest. Oh. We're, we're talking about an offense that the last couple of years we've seen them really just walk up and down the field, even on Clemson's defense in the past. And yeah. so um, I think it's just a reminder that – even though Clemson isn't national championship good, they're still really, really good, but they've also come back to the pack a little bit, and you would have liked to think, with as well as your defense played, there would have been a more aggressive game plan to you know, really get a, first off, snap a long losing streak to a quote-unquote rival and get a signature win for your quarterback. And the thing is, too, man, Wake got some turnovers, and Clemson allowed zero points on two offensive turnovers, including setting the Deeks up with the first and goal, I believe, from the five. So it was just tough watching that, man. But shout-out to Mitch Griffiths. Hopefully, Wake can uh, continue that same type of effort, especially on defense, uh, and get some more wins down the stretch. But it was just disappointing, Fiddy. I mean, I was I was letting them go. I was doing the highlights, but I was letting out plenty of uh, four-letter words. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, I was mad, man. That they, <laughs> because they were playing with my emotions. I expected a beatdown. Uh -huh. I was like, man, we don't have a chance. We're not going to be able to block them. This is going to be bad. 
Then you got me sitting there 10 to 6 late with Wake driving. I'm sitting there like, I told my mom, I said, if Wake wins, I'm stopping and I'm getting a cigar uh, on the way home and we're going to smoke this Clemson pack. Like, that's the type of time I was on. I was, I felt like they were right there. And I felt like something miraculous was going to happen. Mitch was going to throw it up. Jamal Banks was going to come down with it. And the Deeks were going to get a win in Death Valley. But it was not to be. Shrop, uh, just thinking about it makes me depressed. So uh, let's get your last uh, Shrop and it like it's hot for the day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so NFL Week 5 isn't quite over yet. We have a matchup tonight between the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to go ahead and take a look at what Vegas has for these lines going out for tonight. And uh, in my opinion, and obviously in Vegas is too, this is kind of a toss-up game. Uh, the Raiders are favorites. They're minus 130 in the money line. Green Bay Packers are plus 110. The over-under looks like it is about at 45 and a half. And the Raiders are two-point favorites. Mm. You guys, like, do you do you feel like the Raiders can get this done, or are you leaning more towards the Packers? I think they can. I mean, we saw the Packers against the Saints. They hadn't looked that great. Like, the Packers don't look like world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just concerned with Devontae Adams getting me 18 points or better tonight so I can win my <laughs> fantasy game. That's what I'm concerned with. What about you? Is, is is Jimmy G back? He should be playing tonight, yes. Because because if, if Jimmy G's back, I think I think they win. I'm not a betting guy. I take the under. I think it's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game, like 17-14. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah, it's one of those, not really too eye-catching of a game, but you know I'm going to watch it anyway. Are you putting Skrill on the game, Shropping? No, I did more of those prize picks things. I have five bucks out, and okay. if it hits, I'll get 50, and, you know, well, I'll be I'll be happy. All right, well, we're going to come back and close this thing down. I'm going to try to talk to Shropping about his vices during the break. <laughs> that and a whole lot more. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Pretty started jamming right there. That's one of those feel-good beats right there, man. You can't put that on and still be in a bad mood. I mean, hey, y'all, it's definitely something that's going to get the crowd moving. What do you call a video? A booty mover? All-time booty mover. Yeah, well, that's that's what that's what Walker calls him. Yeah, man. We got, we got the little drop of Walker being like, all-time booty mover. <laughs> so welcome back to the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming. 704-570-9610. Kyle Bailey and Smoke Ludwig right around Ludwig. Right around the corner. Hit up those socials, too. Didn't drop that today. WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Westbryan underscore 72, at HTB underscore Josh, at Walker Mail. And Shroppy, what's yours? At Shroppy WFNZ. Yes, sir. On Twitter and Instagram. So hit those follow buttons. Check out 
the content, man. And as we close this out, Fiddy, I got to let you get your shine on. You know what I'm saying? The fans have been calling for it on the text line about your Tar Heels. I know I gave you grief. I thought Syracuse was going to come through and uh, give you guys the blues, but it was not to be. They got shredded. Uh, I knew pretty much after four possessions this game was over. But go ahead, man. You have the floor. Yeah, I mean, look, it was it was basically what I, I thought it was going to be. Uh, Drake May literally shredded their defense, more like peeled them like an orange, if you will. <laughs> and I, I brought this up on the morning show. Uh, we were giving out our piggy awards for the college ball weekend. I don't know how Syracuse got motivated to play. Did you see the shirt that Dino Babers was wearing? What was it? He was wearing like a Hawaiian-looking shirt uh, yeah, on the sidelines. Oh, yeah, he side wears lines. those all the time. Yeah. And I just don't know how you, you know, motivate a locker room to go out there and play football and want to kick someone's rear end while you, you just look that goofy <laughs> trying to give some speech. But, uh, look. Mac was giving me a hard time because I'm not all in. He's talking playoff for North Carolina football. Mm -hmm. and, and, and look, maybe they can get there because to me, this feels a lot more like 2015 because that 2015 beat the crap out of everybody. I, I said all last year, when you're barely beating Virginia, when you're, have, when you're barely beating App State, Georgia State, it was a one possession game with FAMU the week one. I never bought in because they didn't blow people out. Good teams, championship caliber teams, they blow people out. And this team has won four or five by double digits. So this weekend's going to be a test. The worst thing uh, for me was Miami losing the way that they lost. Hopefully that locker room just quits on Cristobal. But it, it could be <laughs> the inverse where that motivates them to be like, hey, we still got everything in front of us, but they got to go to Chapel Hill and win. So, it, But it was a good performance. I thought about texting you. At like four thirty, five o'clock. <laughs> but I knew you were working, and I didn't want to be a degenerate. Oh, uh, you were good. I was definitely going to get back to you, man. Ain't no big deal. They came out and handled their business. I mean, in the first half, Drake may have 23 completions, and Syracuse's offense had only run 22 offensive plays. It was complete, <laughs> utter domination by the Tar Heels, man. And I'm starting to come around on them because especially that defense, I didn't think that, you know, I thought at some point they were going to turn right back into the Carolina defense of old where teams could just march up and down the field on them. And then it came down to Drake May just having to be insane for them to get a win. But to hold Syracuse to seven points, and I know Clemson shut them down last week, but it shows that this Carolina defense, man, they might not be, you know, some type of uh, Tar Heel blue curtain, but this is still a defense that is playing markedly better than what they played in the past. And really for a guy like Drake, man, if this offense is going to play on this level, that's really all they need. It's just more of a unit that is more bought in than it was a year ago. And that's why they shipped out the Tony Grimes, the Storm Ducks of the world, because those guys were more about me instead of we. This unit... Uh, they play for one another. They're better up front. And you got you got a very good linebacking duo. It's not as good as what Clemson has and, and Carter and, and, and Trotter. But but Eccles and Sed Gray's a really good linebacking duo. And then they got guys in the secondary that are able to make plays on the ball. And so, um, you know, they, they haven't faced an elite offense. And I know Trevor Van Dyke's coming off with three, uh, three INT performance. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, Tyler. I, don't, yeah, I always call him Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> he is Trevor Van Dyke, even though I know his name is or Tyler. Or you can just say TVD. Like yeah, TVD. Call. But, um, you know, so we're, we're going to find out. But I like where this team is going because it, it feels like for the first time – 
really since the COVID year, this team is building towards something week after week. No doubt. And then later that uh, weekend, last night to be exact, you definitely came through and conceded uh, in a good way. My mom, you know, we have to – she has to come up with her end of the bet now. She made the bet, so she has to get on social media. So be looking for that soon and say nothing but nice things about the 49ers. <laughs> and she's going to take me to the restaurant of my choosing and wear one of my 49ers jerseys. And I might just bust out a hat for her to wear as well to complete uh, the outfit there. But the 49ers uh, totally dominated Dallas yesterday. But as I said, you know, as a fan, I'm just like, get me to the NFC Championship game. Get me Philadelphia. That's really the only regular season checklist checkpoint that I had. But this was a huge game, and I was a little nervous going in because I definitely had some respect for Dallas. But the 49ers just ran it up, and I got some smoke out there real quick before we get out of here. I was waiting for this game to be completed. But all of you out there that was hitting me up during the offseason, Brock Purdy's a system quarterback, and he's not this, and he's not that. And I kept asking people every time, well, how come nobody else has done what he's doing in his offense? He's undefeated as a regular season starter. He's off to an MVP caliber season, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, 72% completions. He bought out last night so yeah gotta get my shine on y'all just a little bit like that but fitty your thoughts on the Cowboys because you had a lot of uh, negative things to say which I even tried to talk you down from them yeah no I knew when Dan Quinn showed up in all black that team wasn't ready to play he was trying <laughs> to send a sublimal message with his attire and when Brock Purdy walked y'all right down the field and we didn't even touch him Wes we didn't, didn't even touch, touch him. him yeah I knew right then and there the game was over and the thing that sucked is that like and like I know the joke the Cowboys ain't won since 96 but when you're Dallas and you play in primetime games virtually every week, it's hard to get up for every game like a playoff game. To me, last night was a playoff game. You've been at our season last two years. I hate you. <laughs> I wanted to go there and, okay, we're different. Yeah. And then midway through the first quarter, I knew the game was over. So I think y'all are the best team in the NFL. And as long as Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt and edgy Sam Thorne doesn't have to quarterback the 49ers, it's a cakewalk back to the <laughs> NFC title game. Well, listen, man, you're feeling like how I felt in the 90s when the Cowboys were uh, beating the brakes off of the 49ers. But that does it for us today. Tomorrow, the band, the three kings, will be back on the throne. Myself, Josh Fittimalo, and Walker Mail will be back in the building to bring you all the great sports talk in Charlotte and beyond. Next up. Kyle Bailey, Mr. Blue Chew himself <laughs> with Smoke Ludwig. We're going to try to get on his level, ask him for some tips when he comes in. But other than that, we thank you for joining us. Check us out tomorrow, 12 to 3. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. All-time booty mover. Mac and Bull are making mornings better one story at a time. My wife and I use separate soaps. She's got all the frou-frou-y, girly soaps, and I just use regular old soap. My soap is out, and I got, when I'm in the shower, I realize, crap, my soap's out. So I'm just f trying to find any soap, and I find, like, this black bar of soap, and I just start using it, okay? With no washcloth, all right? I'm not putting, I'm not soaping the washcloth up and then rub. I'm rubbing this thing everywhere. Every crevice on my fat body is being rubbed down with this soap. My Boys. wife says to me last night, you've been using my black soap? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, my bad. She goes, you've been using that on your butt? I said, well, yeah, kind of been using it on everything. She goes, that's my special face soap. I use that only on my face. What are you doing with it? She was completely oh, disgusted oh, yeah. and mortified. Um, I use my wife's facial soap on my rear end and all kind of other no-no spots. Wake up weekday mornings with Mac and Bone. Only on Sports.
Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. The official home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Are you ready for this? Will Pelagic here for PhD Weight Loss. I've lost a total of 60 pounds so far thanks to PhD Weight Loss, and I've never felt better. It's been a long time since I've been able to fit into a lot of my favorite jeans or go on walks with my wife, and now with my new transformed body, I can do those things and even more. What are those extra pounds holding you back from doing? I want every one of you to live your best lives just like I'm doing thanks to PhD Weight Loss. It's not calorie counting or hunger-based. It's actually just the opposite. I was never hungry during the weight loss phase, and I'm not hungry now. It's a revolutionary approach to finally dropping those pounds, a smart, sustainable weight loss program based on science, no gimmicks, no appetite suppressants. When you visit, they'll know you, your habits, activities, and goals, and customize a plan just for you. Stop thinking about what you can't do and think about what you will be able to do thanks to Ph.D. Weight Loss in Lake Norman and Pineville and always online at MyPhDWeightLoss.com. And when you go, tell them Willie P. sent you. Are you drowning in credit card debt? Want to get cash out of your home's equity? Loan Pronto can now do it in less than a week. Hey, it's Mac here, and that's right. Loan Pronto's Equity Express line of credit just got even faster. You can get 50000 100000 or even 200000 in as little as five days. And you don't even have to touch your primary mortgage, so you can keep that 3% rate intact. Get just the money you need and pay off all those credit cards. Or get that home improvement project started. With this revolutionary program, you can access up to 90% of your home's value, and in most cases, there's no appraisal. Stop paying insane interest rates to the credit card companies and get tens or even hundreds of thousands in cash in as little as five days. Call Loan Pronto now for the even faster Equity Express line. 704-602-2446. 704-602-2446 or LoanPronto.com. Equal housing lender. NMLS 1661781. Subject to lender approval. Hey, it's your hometown realtor, Thomas Elrod, with high-performance real estate powered by Keller Williams Realty. This month, we're excited to show some love to local school teachers through our exclusive High Performance Heroes program. We are committing substantial financial resources to help ease the financial strain of buying or selling a home or assisting with urgent financial needs. Our program also helps firefighters, EMS, law enforcement, military, and healthcare professionals. To learn more about this program or to nominate a local hero today, go to highperformanceheroes.org. That's highperformanceheroes.org. And we'll see you at the closing table. You expect your home to protect everything you love, but you don't expect the ways water is breaking down your basement and damaging your home. Mold, cracks, and of course visible water are just a few signs your basement is compromised. But there's one way to get answers to all your concerns. A free home inspection from Dry Pro. We put water back in its place. Get your free inspection at 4drypro.com. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-777-1979. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-777-1979. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-777-1979. 
1979. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds too. Call 800-777-1979. 800-777-1979 or BigLou.com. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by